To all our enemies, we'll see you in hell. We're gonna walk them off the plank into the wishing well. Down to David Jones, like where the fish is sleep. Won't be praying for you, so don't be praying, don't be praying for me. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, pirate leader Craig and Gore hatches a plot to take over the Colossus with super battle droids from the Clone Wars. There will be pirate mutinies, Niku's a spy, and we have the return of our precious, dear, stupid, lovable battle droids. We're talking about the mutiny this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I'm doing good too. My birthday was over the weekend, and I'm so excited because, like, 20 minutes before we started recording, um, I got myself a commission from one of my favorite artists as a birthday present to myself. And it's two High Republic characters, and it's super cute. It's Comac and Sai together, and I love them. And I just got it like 20 minutes before we started, and I just keep looking at it. And I'm looking at it right now. Look how cute they are. I just want to kiss their faces. And I'm just super excited. Hope had her Beyonce day. My Beyonce, yeah, I do share a birthday with Beyonce, in case you ever want to know my birthday. And thank you, everybody, for, like, the nice messages and stuff. Um, Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a really nice weekend. I didn't really do much. I just wrote on fan fiction. And I, like I said, I got my art commission of Comac and Sai together, and I'm very excited about it. Probably by the time the episode comes out, it's already on my Twitter. Um, I just I'm waiting for permission from the artist to get the okay that I can post it on my Twitter. Um, so yeah, I'm just super duper excited, and I had a great week. How was your week? Not bad, not bad. I had the week off from work, and I was fairly lazy. Oh yeah, you had your staycation. Yeah. No, Miss Bernice was like your home all the time. Yeah, she's gotten a lot of attention. Well, my my housemate's back from her tour, from her first leg of her tour, and she's about to. She in like two days she'll be working for a solid week at the theater, um, working backstage for the old. Uh, I hope I get this right. The Rum Tub Tugger. Uh, for, tub for cats. Tugger. Yes, she's doing cats. Ah, Rum Tom Tugger is a curious cat. She's I very. I've read the Well, she 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 does you know she does sewing and stuff, and uh, she's very afraid because after cat, this is the first post COVID performance of cats of this of this troop of cats, and so basically they all got out of their like outfits. And put them in, and they've been in storage in a truck for the last oh, COVID. <laughs> oh Lord, for the last COVID, as if this she the first COVID they, ever she, ended. <laughs> she doesn't know if they were washed before, and we're talking cats. You know, we're talking cats costumes. We're talking oh, so sweaty dancers. Yeah, yeah. Lots, stage lights. And yeah. Oh yeah. I got theater. I know exactly what you're talking about, boy. And, and then and then sealed into a container and in a box for a year. It could be potentially pretty uh 
pretty sketchy, I, I guess. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, it's part. Of, it's the craft. It is the. I've. I was. I was a theater major. I definitely worked yes. costume crew for that's Bad why Boy. I it up. Yep, and that's why I bring it up. I know you have a fondness for cats too. The play and I do have the a animal. But I, I was working. Um, my my gross sweaty story was I was working uh, Bat Boy the musical for as as a as a stage as a costume crew person. And at one point during one of the songs, uh, Bat Boy and the and his love interest run off stage, and they had a quick change where they got out of their clothes and they came back wearing fig leaves. My job was to snap that fig leaf on his crotch <laughs> every night, and having to reach inside his dance belt touching sweaty what, what's a sweaty sweaty bat boy thighs <laughs> and sweaty junks just to snap it on so he could run off every night for like eight days i had to touch actually longer than that because we had dress rehearsals too for like so like 12 days i just touched like sweaty bat boy junk <laughs> every night and it was gross so i completely understand your roommate's predicament because i've been there done that wow Ugh. Ugh, yeah. Hey, I got my ba I got my chocolate pudding story. You got your Bat Boy junk, Bat yeah. junk story. Though I will say that the, the guy playing Bat Boy was super nice. Like, uh, like we were college friends. Like he was a super nice guy. So like, but it was just one of those things that we just didn't talk about how often I had to touch his junk. <laughs> so that lots of hand sanitizer. But a super nice guy though. Um, <laughs> Super, super nice. Super nice guy. Sweaty, sweaty balls. Super nice well, guy. Well, he'd been dancing for like an hour and a half. Well, I know. Point. That's what I'm it's saying. It's like one of the yeah. final songs that this happens. Yeah, no, we're, so. not, we're not expecting it not to be a, a... And it's just, it's part of the job. You a just, sauna in there. Yeah. A yeah, bat it's sauna. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Hope had to, Hope had to go the down. Cave. <laughs> slide the pole down to the bat cave. Gross. Anyway, you are ready to get into uh, Jay guys? Or... Yeah, yeah, we might as well. What did you think about this episode? I like this up. I for I forgot all about this episode. I like this episode too. I I think it's probably one of the most needed episodes plot wise. Um, but there's so much good character stuff going on too. So, um, yeah, I like this one too. Let's get into it. <clears throat> The Mutiny is the 35th episode of Star Wars Resistance. It aired on January 5th, 2020. Oh. And it was written by Marguerite Scott and directed <laughs> by Bosco Ying. <laughs> right? It's just one of those things. I'm like, oh, 2020. Um, some extra information for you. Matthew Wood makes his return to Star Wars animation as the voice of the battle droids, in particular to this episode, B1. So here's some fun, like, canon fandom stuff that was happening at the time. This episode actually got a lot of fans' hopes up, me included. There's a short story called The Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku, where Sidon Athano and his pirate crew unearth a crashed Clone Wars-era ship from Count Dooku. In it, they find, frozen in stasis, the clone Medic Kix, who was last seen in the Bad Batch arc in Clone Wars. Long, like a short version of the story, is Kix followed up on Fives's warnings about the clones inhibitor chips. He found out the truth, but he didn't get away with it because Count Dooku found him, captured him, 
and he got frozen and sent on a trip around the galaxy for a few decades. And long story short, uh, Sidon Athano unearths Kix, and all his friends are dead, so Kix decides to join Athano's pirate crew. So when the season two trailer dropped from Resistance, and and everybody saw Sidon Athano from this episode, fans were like, oh my god, is Kix going to make an appearance in this episode? Especially since before this came out, there was an image released of Kix having a sequel trilogy era design because Kix was in an issue of Star Wars Adventures comics where he was updated and on a pirate adventure with Sidon Athano. Um, and so he has this new design. He grew out his hair and stuff like that. But alas, Kix did not make an appearance in the series and it made me a super duper sad girl because... I don't even, I just want to, he didn't even need to speak. No reason to even bring in, like, Dee Bradley Baker. Just have him in the background unloading the droids. And I would have been so fucking happy to see Kicks in the background. And to see a clone done, like, in this era's animation, it would have been so cool. I was super bummed out, but it, it didn't happen. So it's, yeah, whatever. Some fandom stuff for you guys. <laughs> I'm only guessing that maybe they thought it was would have been too much to explain if they just didn't explain it and have him in there. And It would have been a nice like little wink-wink to the fans, though. Yeah. Though, actually, when did this story come out? Hold on. Hold on. Uh, hold, please. Hold, please. This story might actually came out after, let's see, 2015? When was Solo? Solo. Okay, actually, no, no, it could have happened because I, I was thinking maybe the story came out after this was in production, but no, uh, this the story came out first before. Uh, this, yeah, no, this you series. wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been hoping for it if it wasn't possible, you know, at the time. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So it, it would have been. I just thought it would have been really cool because at the time we would have had a clone in every single series, but it, alas, we have battle droids in every single series. Well, now we do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, where was I? More extra information. Where am I? Where am I? There I am. Uh, this is actually the first time that a Thanos ship is making its full appearance in canon. In The Force Awakens, we can only see the back of the ship. But the ship had been fully designed for the video game Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. So the Resistance crew put together both the movie and the Lego game versions to fully flesh out Athano's ships for the first time in this episode. And finally, the B-1 battle droid got an upgraded design for Resistance, having much more details and being made of a mix and match parts. You know who also has more details if you get close up to them? Mix and match. Mm-hmm. Gotta put those outfits together and mix and match for a, for a Tuesday night. Yes. It has to be Tuesday night because that's where all the early bird specials are. And like, you, you know, you can get early and then come back and do your like nightly moistening. You know, you Yoda, Yoda likes early bird specials. Yes. Lots of worms. Yes. Then goes mm. home, does space crossword, mm. nods mm. off in chair. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a nice night, Yoda. Yeah. Aww. Well, I have a question for you. Yes. A so, question for Yoda. A question for Yoda. Uh, in this episode, we see a battle droid for the first time in Resistance. And I got to thinking, what do you miss most about the Clone Wars? Uh, if anything. Not, not battle droids. You know what? What? the most Yoda misses. What? 
his office. Yoda had nice corner office, mini fridge, mm, blotter on the desk, little toys. Did you have a nice window? Uh, yes, had a mace window. (laughs) (laughs) Swivel chair. We'll bet he loved that joke the 48 times he heard it. Swivel chair, little tiny swivel chair, kick around the room. Wee! Wee! Spin. Mmm! Fun. Did you play office pranks on the other Jedis like Plo Kloon or Obi Wan or Aya Sakara? Yoda would poop in Obi Wan's sandwich and put it back in, in, in the fridge. <laughs> oh my god! Did he blame it on Anakin? thought it was avocado, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's gross. Oh. Yes, gross. Just <laughs> like you, you sweet boy. <laughs> you, you. Oh. I don't know how to come back from that, so bye. You. <laughs> bye. <laughs> well... You know how, like, in improv, you're supposed to, like, yes and stuff? Like, there's a moment where I was just like, I I got nothing. I forgot I've... to, I was so, I was so shocked. I forgot to ask, like, what kind of sandwich Obi-Wan eats. It sounds curious. like avocado toast. <laughs> something, something where avocado would fit in is, I guess, I guess, so maybe space turkey or something. I don't know. <laughs> I bet he did blame it on Anakin. Like, he would kick in the door and be like, Anakin, you did it again. I would do one, Master. But you need your fry voice. I can't do it. It's been so long. Oh, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't do your, I can't do your improv for you, Hope. I'm sorry. Well, Master, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't heard it in so long. And I was like, oh, I miss Anakin's. God, Padme, Obi-Wan keeps accusing me of pooping in his sandwich. I've never <laughs> pooped in anybody's sandwich. Well, Wado once. <laughs> I miss that voice. Oh, I miss doing the Clone Wars. Oh, those are good times. Ah, <sighs> oh, the Clone Wars. Good times. Good times. <laughs> we just finished the Clone Wars last year, Chris, and it feels like five fucking years ago. <laughs> All the Jedi's wiped out. Yeah. Huh, miss, yeah. Uh, miss those days. Miss those days. Mm-mm. So good. So good. Anyway, Act One. I'm ready for it. <clears throat> act One. Kragen. You know, Pirate Face Kragen, Mr. Kraken Face Kragen. He's on out, like, hanging out with his pirate crew, and they're going out on a mission, but they don't have Sonara with them. That's very important. Sonara is not there. And they're going out and they're going on a joyride and they're meeting up with some mysterious weapons dealer. And they're being like super sneaky about their plan. And like the pirates are like, are you sure about this, Craig? And he's like, oh yeah, we're going to have the best day today. So they go to random planet number 12. Because I don't, I couldn't even find a fucking name for the planet. But I also didn't look too hard, you know. I was just like, uh, well, no one cares. So I didn't really look for a name, it's fine. So it's random planet number 12. And they land their ship. And uh, another ship flies in, and it's all cool, and they're like, wow, that ship looks like it's from, like, Lego Star Wars, the Force Awakens editions. And there opens the star of the Force Awakens, Mr. Sidon Athano. And there's no kicks. 
Kix should be there. So just pretend Kix is in the ship, you know, having a nice pirate time and, like, drinking his tea and being sad that all his friends are dead. Just pretend Kix is in the ship, you know, just having a nice time. Um, and Sidon Athano gets there, and Athano's just like, Sup, Kragen? And Kragen's like, hey, you're like a real pirate. Hey, hey, because you've been in the movies and stuff. We haven't been in the movies. You're like the big time. You're like, you're almost Hondo Anaka level. I mean, you don't have a theme park yet. You know, Hondo has a theme park. Side on. But then you could have your own theme park, you know, one day. Dream big, Athano. And Athano's like, yeah, you're wasting my time. What do you want? Do you want, do you want this or not? What's the deal? And Kragen makes a deal with him. He gives him some money. And Kragen gets a bunch of super battle droids from the Clone Wars. And he's all like, <laughs> We can take over the Colossus now. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the Colossus, Sonara is hanging out with Captain Dad. And she's all like, Listen, Doza, Captain Dad. Um, you need to stop, like, putting your thumb on the pirates. And Doza's like, well, if I don't put my thumb on the pirates, they're gonna run amok. They're already trying to eat everything in Aunt Z's. And Sonara's like, mm, you're also kind of keeping them prisoner on the ship, and that's not good, too, because you're just gonna make them rebel. And it's not gonna turn out well, and you're all gonna probably get taken over, because, yeah, they're not here right now, and I'm not with them. So something bad is happening. And does us all like push and walks away. So Sonara gets back to the hangar just as the pirates arrive back, and they're all just like, "Hey, Sonara, you look great. We're not doing anything mysterious here. We're not wrapping these crates up with cable and shoving them out into space to hide them. No, not at all." And she's like, "What the fuck you doing, Kragen? You're gonna piss off Doza. What the hell is all this?" And Kragen's like, I don't give a fuck. And the door flies open and Doza comes in. And he's just like, oh, you have no more fucks to give? And Kragen's like, hey, Doza, what's going on, buddy? And Doza's like, you know that this ship is locked down. You can't just gallivant off. And Kragen's like, first of all, Gallivant is a fantastic TV show. It's on Disney+. Plus. Everyone go watch it. I miss Gallivant. Go check it out. Second of all, I was gallivanting because I brought you supplies. Look at all this food and these these supplies and the water. I did this for you, Doza, because we're friends. And Craig and, and Doza's like, uh-huh. So we're going to confiscate everything. And then we're just going to leave and make sure there's nothing suspicious here. And then he just leaves the pirates. And Kraken was like, wow, that was really easy. Pull back in the crates now. So they pull all the battle droid crates back in from space and stuff like that. And the whole time, Sonara is suspicious. Meanwhile, all this, Kaz arrives back in Doza's office. And he's all like, do-do-do, good morning, everybody. And he catches the end of a conversation where Doza and Yeager are like, Niku, we're so happy that you're willing to do this mysterious thing that we're giving you. And Niku's like, oh yes, I am very happy and thank you for believing in me. I will get started on that now. And Yeager is like, hey Kaz, work on the fireball. That's it, that's, that's your job today. And Kaz is like, what? Mechanic work? Yeager, that is so season one. We're in season two now. I'm a spy. He's like, I don't care. We're at war and you need to have a working ship. Go work on the fireball. 
So Kaz and Niku leave, and Kaz is suspicious, and he thinks that Niku is up for just something. And at the same time, Sonara is suspicious because Kragen keeps trying to get rid of her. So Kragen gets rid of Sonara, and with her gone, Kragen powers up the super battle droids, but then they all collapse. And he's all like, what the fuck? That cheap-ass movie Sidon Athano gave me animation-level droids. I wanted movie-level droids. This isn't even good CGI. This Actually, this is better than, like, good CGI. This is animation. So these are gorgeous, not-working battle droids. It's great. Worried about that time. Niku arrives to the hangar, and he's just like, Hello, Mr. Pirates! I am here to check on some systems. And Kraken's like, oh, It's you! You're the dumb, naive mechanic! We are so gonna take advantage of you! Come, come, come join us pirates, and come, come fix our shit! Do you know about battle droids? And Niku's like, Yes, I know all about battle droids! I know how to fix them! Can I fix them for you? Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to work on foreign rare technology! And Kragen's like, You're welcome! Come fix our shit, you dumb, stupid little man! And the whole time, Kaz witnesses everything! Bum, 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 and he's suspicious! Bum, bum, bum! I totally forgot about this episode. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot that that finally, like, the battle droids are just going to show up every show. I love it. Even though in Mandalorian, it was just like their heads. Yeah, it was just their heads, and it, and there were no Roger Rogers, Roger Rogering. You know. Can you imagine how much in live action it would have pissed people off if if they were like Roger Roger? Like that's oh. the first thing they did in M- episode one. I <laughs> that, know. Was, that was right out of the bat of episode one was like them being dumbasses and people going, "What the fuck is going on here?" <clears throat> Not Good, realizing yeah. how how epically awesome it was going to become in future years, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it's just so it's it's just so great that they that there's a running gag and and at least since this one is a like more comical end of the cartoon, they can really lean into having the Roger Rogers mm-hmm. be dumbasses. It, but uh, this time though, he's our dumbass. Although we've had we've had we've had our dumbasses before. <laughs> we had our dumbasses, dumbasses back in Clone Wars. <laughs> or no, it was in Rebels, wasn't it? Where they, where they, they fought with the, yeah, with the, with the droids. I but, will also uh, say because I know you haven't seen it in Freemakers, uh, the three main characters, one of their crewmates is a battle droid named Roger, and he's just like their maintenance butler droid who just helps them out, and he's there the entire show, and he's just a battle droid named Roger. So like Freemakers has it too. Yeah, they gotta. They mm-hmm. need them dumbasses everywhere. <laughs> um, more do- more Doza being a, a snob and and just call it calling Kragen pirate. pirate. I mean, he did spend like pre-show trying to murder all of right. them. Right, right, but it's, <laughs> it's 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 sort of becoming a character trait with Doza. I'm I'm noticing. Mm-hmm. Um, a little critique on Doza and Jaeger. They need to be more hands-on now that they're. I. Uh, on a floating they they are way too into just being up on the bridge and having their meetings and having you know friends and family to deal with they they need to be down, down at aunt b you know aunt z's it be i'm i'm in maybe <laughs> uh, they, they need they need to be 
Aunt B. Arthur. Yeah, actually, I mean, that will tie it into Star Wars anyway. I, I mean, she had her own cantina and a holiday special. It, we could have it. Yeah, least. that's true. That's yeah, true. Absolutely. No, oh I my totally God, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. They should have named Aunt Aunt Z Aunt B. It would have been. Per, it would have been a perfect homage. Perfect homage to. No. to but I agree too. Like that's actually been like one of my. That's I think it was like Vox Vortex that I made a similar joke where I was just like, "Oh my God, Yeager and Dose are doing things." Oh my God, because like they haven't like Yeager. No, it was the 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 two episodes with Norath. That's what it was because like Yeager's been so passive this season, and like he's not flying with the aces. He's not in his ship, and I understand that he's a commander. But he's also one of the best pilots there and like the one of the best fighters and he's doing nothing all season. So like that, I totally agree. That's they like what gotta, I'm they they still have to maintain their authority, but they can't be they can't be in an, in their ivory tower. They've got to be it, it, they have to be there so so that way they are in on the goings on there. So like not that they not like that they weren't like uh that they were just, you know, blindly blind about, like, you know, the pirates potentially mutinying, but you know, it would have, it, yeah, they they would definitely, it would definitely be, all they got is morale at this point, you know, that's their strongest point. So, you know, we haven't even seen the turtle people in quite a while, you know. We saw them in this episode very briefly. Yeah, but I mean, like, ha- paid a visit to him, you know. Yeah, yeah. See him, see him. You're gonna see everybody sort of like walking around the edges, but you know. So, yeah, that's that's my big critique of them. Then, then there's another thing. This is what I love about Star Wars is it's this high technology society, but at the same time, okay, they do have a problem, a big problem in Star Wars Galaxy with space fascism. It seems to take hold every few movies and and uh but at the same time like their security is old school security it's guys with guns going show us your paperwork you know and and it's sort of the chain code is sort of like a techno thing but like there's just a lot of stuff that just like it seems like in everyday life unless you're like in the jedi council building or someplace or the Death Star, or a prison. There isn't, like, cameras all over the place and stuff. So, like, on, on a thing like the Colossus, you could just tie things to a string and hang them out the side window and be like, <laughs> I don't know, Dad, I don't know. We don't have beer here. What are you talking about? I love that about it, though. <laughs> you know, and and, and, and then, then it's like, Dad's gone, just, like, pull it in, the pull it in. It's chilled, too, from the from the cold of space but uh <laughs> i i love that i lost track of how many times in clone wars you were just like this episode wouldn't work if they had cameras <laughs> yeah or like tracking mechanisms to be like yeah. oh there's 10 life you know oh there's the life forms down on the planet you know or or on our on our own ship <laughs> or whatever or you know, oh, we don't know if there's anybody down there. We better go down and look around, you know. But sometimes there is. Sometimes they're like, oh, I don't know. The scan says no lot, you know. So it's hard to say. It's it's hard to say. But I, I like that, like, whether it's for plot or whether just every, it's just so, 
there's no standardization there. So like some places are sloppier than others, but I, I love it that you can get away with breaking in the Death Star by hiding in, you know, a secret compartment under the floor, you know, in your ship. Hmm. And then they go in and go, I don't know. There's nobody in here. They must, <laughs> must have ejected. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. But that's <laughs> all I got for part one. Um, to get my little notes out of the way, somehow, in the like the almost two seasons we watched this, and this being my second rewatch, I've never noticed that Kragen has a metal hand before. I don't know how I missed it, but and maybe it's just because he's like he's very gesturing. Like he clanks talking. it, he clanks it, and and stomps, you know, and hits things with it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I noticed it when he was talking with the Thanos because he was being very gestury and stuff, and like he was very much talking with his hands. And I don't know how I missed that. Craig had a metal hand, but it's so cool. I was I, I I paused it and I was looking at it. It's a really cool design, and I just I don't know how I've missed it up to this point, but I really think Kragen's metal hand is like super duper cool um there's a moment when Kaz is following Niku through the hallway and Niku's just humming and it's just so cute because he's just like <laughs> and Josh Brenner I, I I have this note in season two but Josh Brenner is just really good this episode like well I get a feeling really- that they told him to hum because it sounds like he was just sort of humming and then he was just like I'll just keep going a little longer and he got really goofy with the last two notes. I know. And you could tell they were his last two notes. So he was probably just like, okay, I got on a little. And, and then they were like, I like those last two notes. <laughs> and they, yeah. I think they just ended up in there. Because they weren't really synced up with anything. He was just sort of walking away. So they were like, I bet you they were just like, yeah, we'll just leave this whole part in. Yeah, Josh, just just hum and make something up. And Josh Brenner's in the booth just going. <laughs> yeah, it's a, probably just a Niku idly, happily humming or something like that, you know? Yeah, like I, a, I he's actually. He's in the character. He knows what to do. I, I have it in uh, this known act too. But like, I just really like Josh Brenner in this episode. Like he is really playing up Niku uh, like to an 11. And like, and you can tell because like he's playing Niku, but it's like extra Niku and it's just super played up and everything's kind of like hyped up for his character and I really liked it I think I think Josh did a really good job this episode I have a co-worker that is a hundred percent Niku oh. I like I, I t- like a lot of people have compared him to Pee Wee Herman but that's because they don't have Niku as a reference mm-hmm. but I finally put it together when he had done it like a delivery for a catering that we did and he came back and he was all like dressed up, but he's always kind of awkward. I'm like, eh, how'd it go? And he's just like, oh, it, it it went well. It went well. Yes, they were they were very demanding, very demanding. But you know, <laughs> they always are. They always are. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go home now. I I have I have a a, a spicy sausage that I got. I'm going to cook a spicy sausage. Oh my god, it is Nico. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he and he's sorta of, he's sorta of, he's sorta of got the body language and build of Niku too, so it's pretty funny. The only thing that, that was missing was him just going, I like food. Food, 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 That that is totally something he would do though. That is yeah. completely something he would do. And uh and I wish I could go like, dude, you are totally Niku, but he would be like, What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> um and so for my my kind of like three big-ish notes, um, part one of my multiple Sonara notes throughout this episode, it is super telling that Sonara is not on the weapons deal with Kragen. 
and the other pirates because it shows exactly what the pirates are thinking about her right now and where their trust around her is. Well, Kragen's not dumb. He no. plays dumb, but he's not dumb. You know, he's been around the block. Way, you know, he's been around the block way before. He, he's probably he. I could, I almost could hear Kragen thinking to himself, "Well, I knew this was coming eventually, but like, it was, it was good. I taught her a lot of things." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it's her absence just says so much of this is where they are trusting her at this point, and they don't, they don't trust her anymore, and they left her behind, and. What I what I kind of liked in this episode was how Doza and Kragen were playing just like a little chess match around each other, and they each had one important piece. Um, and Doza, it, it felt like Doza and Yeager were actually kind of setting up Kaz to be kind of a decoy, because if Kragen's paying attention to Snar and Kaz, they're not paying attention to Niku. And what's interesting is this story of trust. Like, Doza is trusting Niku, to get this stuff done. And he's trusting Kaz to be playing like this kind of deep decoy role. Um, and then it's the opposite for Kragen. Like Kragen has lost all trust in Sonara. And because of Kragen's lack of trust and Doza putting all his trust in the Kazaniku, it's why they're able to win. But I really enjoyed watching that little chess game because pretty much Kragen and Doza were doing the exact same thing. Yep. They were moving their people around, moving them across their Colossus chessboard to try and best each other. And Doza came out on top. And But I really enjoyed watching them kind of move their people pieces around this episode because Doza and Kragen are both captains. They're both leaders. And they were just trying to outmaneuver each other. And yep. Doza won. And it was really my, one of my favorite parts of this episode. Um, the only other note I have is I kind of like how this episode in a lot of ways feels almost like a throwback to season one. I mean, not fully. But, like, just, like, little things where Yeager's like, go work on the fireball. And Cass is like, but I'm a spy. <laughs> but I want to do spy things and shirk my mechanic duties. Um, and then you have, like, Cass sneaking very dramatically around following Niku. And I, and I, I thought that was fun. It was a really nice kind of, like, the first act felt like a little callback to season one. Even though it wasn't, like, fully delved in there. But it had, like, a lot of, like, telling of season one. I, I just thought that was cool. I really enjoyed that. Um... But that's all I have for Act 1. Did you have anything else? Not really. All right, so Act 2? Act 2. Take a sip of my drink. Let me burp. All right, let's go. Act, Act two. 2! Thank you, thank you. Do uh, it! Oh, that was not as good. That was a tiny, puny, tiny one. I don't even know if the camera... I'm looking for a can to crush on my head. Oh, no. Oh! I, I still have, like, half a seltzer left. I am not crushing it on my head. Chug <laughs> it! Crush it! Hey, that's a good segue. Act chug, two. Chug, chug, crush that shit. We open act two with Niku chugging what I hope is blue milk. <laughs> I hope it's blue milk because he's chugging something and the pirates are all just like, chug, 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 chug. It's a good segue, man. Um, and Kragen is like, hooray, you're one of us now. And Niku's like, thank you. I like being part of things. And he's like, Niku, come, come. Play, come fix these battle droids for us. And Niku's like, ah, that's, this is a lot of super battle droids. And they're very rare and very dangerous. Why are they here? And Kragen's like, it's a gift. I'm gifting these to the Colossus to help protect the station as 
Gracious thanks for Doza, dear sweet Captain Emmanuel Doza. We pirates love him so much, and I just wanted to thank him for the charity in his heart. And Nika's like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> I'll fix them. So they're unloading all the, the droids, and to everyone's surprise, a dumb little B1 battle droid comes stumbling out of the crates, and he's just all like, wow, it's been so long. I hey, haven't dummy. been- Hello. Hey, dummy. Hello. I'm Roger, Roger, it's been so long. Hi, everybody. I haven't been here since, well, technically Rebels at this point, but I'll be back in Bad Batch. Roger, Roger. Um, and everyone's like, oh, it's cool. And Nika's like, oh my god, new friend. Yay. So Nico agrees to work for the pirates and fix up all the battle droids. And about this time, Sonara shows up and Kraken's just like, Hey, Sonara! Was she? I don't know. I don't know how to read my notes. And Sonara's like, what you doing? And Kraken's like, nothing! Go to the marketplace! Goodbye! And she sends Sonara away. So Nico gets to working on the repair droids and B1 is just like, I am here to help you. And Nico's like, thank you so much, my friend. We're going to definitely be working really, really, really well together. So Nico and B1 start making a friendship and they start bonding and it's super cute. And they get all the droids fixed up. And, and Nico comes over and he's just like, Kragen, all the droids are fixed up except for B1. And he's finishing up right now. And Kragen's like, that's great. And he picks up Nico and he throws him in a box. And Nico's like, oh no, betrayal. And they lock Nico in a crate. During all this, Kaz is in Aunt Z's, and he slinks in there, and he sees Sonara, and he's like, Sonara, everyone's acting so weird. Like, Niku has a spy mission right now. I'm the spy. And Sonara's like, are you drunk right now? And Kaz is like, no, I'm just sad. And he's, Niku's down in the hangar with all the pirates. And Sonara's like, stop your sadness. Did you say he's in the hangar with the pirates? Kaz is like, mm-hmm. she's like, we need to go. We need to go. Something bad is happening. We gotta go, Kaz. And so Kaz and Snar run down to the hangar, and they get there just in time for Kragen to get up on a box. And he's like, today, we will not go quietly into the night. It is our Independence Day from Captain Doza. And everyone's like, woo! And Kragen's like, but save that beautiful captain dad for me because he is so handsome and we love him we do i wasn't lying about that he's very handsome man save him for me because i want him for myself and everyone's like to, to kill or in a sexual way sir and he's like it doesn't matter let's go <laughs> and sonara and Kaz are like oh no oh why shit not both? why not both <laughs> pirates come on why not both um, and Kaz and Sonara are like, oh no, it's a mutiny, we have to warn everybody, but before they can get away, they're surrounded by pirates and super battle droids, and everyone's like, hello, Sonara and Kaz, and they're like, hey, we got captured, and they get locked in a box with Niku, bum bum bum, what'd you think of that too? See, there was a gag that they had there that they missed with Niku. What? That he that, that when they put him, I thought this was gonna happen when they put Sonara and Kaz in there, is Niku is gonna be like... Oh, are they hiding in you you in here so you don't spoil the surprise either? Or like he thinks it's like the pirates want to surprise Doza and they do want to surprise him with the well, droids. That's but. that's the point of the episode is Niku's playing them all. 
Like, that's the point. Yeah, I, yeah, but... I'll come back uh, to that next three. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I, I almost expected Niku to be just, like... <laughs> oh, extra playing it up, like, oh, like, still playing it up? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, you know, okay. he doesn't know if Kaz and Sonara are in on it, or whatever. But at this point, I didn't know that Niku was also playing it up, because he's still in spy mode. Which I think that might be a meta joke that they're making because of maybe all the fan theories about Niku being the spy. <laughs> like, Let's put him in here as a spy in an episode. Yeah. But really, you, I started you thinking... You just made, like, Caitlin and Charlotte from Sky Talkers very happy with that line. <laughs> they, were the, like, they were the leaders of that theory. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 like, I kept thinking to myself during this, like, why would the pirates be there anyway? if it wasn't just a mutiny eventually because they could just go off and pirate they have no reason to be there except for potentially maybe they'll get themselves a bigger pirate ship so i think the whole thing was because they did work with the first order and they burned that bridge so they, they did but they're going to have to go pirate. out they're going to have to go out and pirate anyway they're going to eventually you know i mean it's either be on the run with the colossus all the time and stop pirating forever or or someday go off on their their own. So, but, but I think like Doza and Yeager were like, yeah, eventually they're gonna try and take over the ship. There's no other reason that they're here and playing nice. So every you know, they were just reaching the point. You know, reaching the and I think Yeager and and Doza were like, you know, it would probably be right about now if I was a pirate, I'd be plotting to take over. And they just went on a mission. So let's. Uh, but like I like how they just keep that on the on the, as subtext in the story. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, my only other note is sort of like the the um, um, mirror image of your note from last one about Sonara and like Doza and Yeager, just sort of like where you know as as Kragen doesn't trust her, they just trust her. They just you know mm-hmm. naturally just know that she they they don't they don't put her in on a spot they they i mean obviously it would have been she would have been too obvious if they were like hey see if you can get some information because she wasn't getting anything and it would have been suspicious the more she tried to get out of craig in anyway so but at the same time they just like they're just like yeah you know she's she's cool you know they don't they're not worried about her at all and it's and it's just it's it's interesting. She's just slipped right into that spot. That's actually funny because that's my big note of this act. <laughs> that's so, that's all I got. So yeah, you might as well uh, embellish on it, expand upon it. Because something that I really like about this episode is like we we've been watching Snara go on this character journey for two seasons now, and this is pretty much the end of that journey. Um, and what I liked about this is we're seeing Sonara's character development, but through how other people treat her. And we're seeing her character development through other people's eyes and through their actions. So as you were saying, like Kaz and Doza and Yeager are respectful towards her and they trust her. Like um, she has two alone conversations with Doza and Doza doesn't like shut her off. Like he doesn't like he's not like, oh, pirate. pirate. Yeah. yeah, he calls her Sonara. 
and because she's earned that trust with the Colossus. And that that's a big thing that he's giving her that time and he's hearing her out and he's listening to her thoughts and her worries and her concerns. He does it in Act 1 and he does it again in Act 3. And of course, Kaz has trusted Sonara this entire time because they were both spies. They were both in the same spots and they bought has this rapport with each other. And same thing with Yeager. Like, just last episode, Yeager was, like, trying to get Tyranny off of torturing Sonara and get Tyranny to torture him instead to protect Sonara. So we're seeing her character development through the eyes of other people. And then you have Kraken. Kraken just keeps sending her away, like, get out of my way, get out of my hair, I'm done with you, I'm washing my hands of the situation, I don't trust you. And he's just pushing her away and away and away, while this other group of people is like welcoming her and welcoming her into their folds. And I'll come back to more of this in, in Act Three, because um I have more on this in Act Three. But yeah, I, I really enjoy seeing uh, Sonara's character development, not through just her eyes, but through the actions of other people. And I think that's really cool and a really strong storytelling. And then all my other notes are like little bullshitty tiny notes. <laughs> um I love that Niku is so infectious and pure that even Kragen's like, you know what? When we take over the ship, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to hire this guy. He's going to be our chief mechanic. <laughs> hey, he's useful and he's not a physical threat. Yeah, I just love that. He's like, I like that Nikto. Let's hire him. I like him. Let's do he's it. Easy We're going? Keep him. Yeah. We'll just keep him around. He's naive. We'll play him. He'd be nice to him. He'll do whatever. And my only other note is in big all caps, which is, I love battle droids. <laughs> B1 calls him Captain Niku. Captain Niku. It's so sweet, Chris. It's so endearing and dumb. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I love battle droids so much. <laughs> It, but it basically it makes basically Niku like, well, not not Captain, but like, you know, he's like Spider Guy now, you know. Spider Guy. <laughs> I just heard that in like J. Jonah Jameson's voice. Spider Guy. Spider Guy. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I've been gra- editing Gravity Falls and I keep hearing J.K. Simmons' voice just being like, oh, Bill. You would have been a great Jedi. <laughs> Goddamn Spider Guy. Let me add him. That's true. There was there was a spider guy in Clone Wars. He'd be like, Admiral Trench, give me that spider guy. While you were looking at my lightsaber, I pulled out my can of rage. <laughs> can you imagine him meeting Grievous? Look at this fucker. <laughs> what with all your arms? What do you think you are, a spider guy? Six-armed menace to society. Fantastic. Um, well, that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? I'm ready for Act 3. Act 3. <clears throat> the pirates begin their attack on the Colossus. And they move through the hallways. And all the people in the hallways are like, Oh, shit, y'all. It's coming. Curse this. And what's that line from Fire Pot? Firefly, curse the sudden and inevitable betrayal. <laughs> Except for, you know, the drunkards and uh, Antsy, and they're like, oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> okay, give me more Antsy. Just just fill her up. Just just put, put more drink in my drink, because, you know, things are happening. I'll drink that. But luckily, Niku 
had a plan the entire time. And he's like, don't worry, Kaz and Sonara, I got this. And they're like, you too? He's like, yes, I got this. And three, two, one, and the door blows open. And there's B1 holding Niku's data pad with instructions because Niku reprogrammed B1 to be his friend because friendship is magic. There's a new My Little Pony movie coming out on Netflix and I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, it's giving more My Little Pony hell. Let's go. So excited. Anyway, uh, but B1 is now their friend. So Sonara is like, you ready to fight some pirates, Kaz? And Kaz is like, I was born ready as a pirate. She's like, that doesn't make sense. Here's a gun. So they grab their blasters and they run out to help Doza and Yeager. Who really, really need it right now because Yeager and Doza are in a shootout. And they are shooting up Doza's office. And Doza and Yeager are all like, pew, pew, pew. And Kraken's all like, pew, pew, pew. And then like 4D gets shot. And, like, Doza reacts really strongly, and I'm like, are you lonely when your wife's not here? Because he's just like, Kraken, you'll pay for that for shooting my robot lady! And I'm just like, you really missed your wife, haven't you, buddy? Anyway, but Kraken's forces overwhelm Doza and Yeager and capture them. It does work. There's been plenty of movies about it. It it works. (laughs) It works. (laughs) I mean... There's a whole market for that. There's a thing called, you know, like, not for me. I'm not an Android person. They scare me. But, you know, like, love dolls. Like, there's a whole market for that. So, good for you, Yeager. Love your best. Not Yeager, sorry. Good for you, Doza. You live your best life with your robot lady and your wife. Don't tell your daughter. Anyway, where are we? Where are we? Doza's robot fleshlight. Oh, oh, and, this, and like he's just doing that, and then he hears music in the background, and then there comes Darth Buggles rising out of the corner, and he's like, Do it. Do it more. I will <laughs> sit here and watch, because I am Darth Buggles. <laughs> anyway, really, where am I on this this outline? There I am. So Kazan and Sonara are running through the, the hallways, and they get cornered by two pirates, and she's like, Guys, it's me. I've known you guys since we were all kids. We were raised together. And the pirates aren't taking it. So Snar and Kaz start brawling with the pirates. And, and Snar takes out one. And then Niku, like fucking Jason, comes up behind the other one and slaps him with a wrench. I sent this photo to Chris. And it's terrifying. Of Niku just standing behind the pirate with a wrench raised above his head, with dead look in his eyes, and he takes Cold out the other pirate. black pirates. eyes, Cold like a doll's eyes. eyes. Oh, absolutely. I definitely, yeah. Um, so they, they beat up the two pirates, and they get to the lifts, and they have to climb up the lifts, and they get into Doza's office. But it's empty. No one is there. And Sonara's like, fuck, I know exactly where they are right now. So they had to go all the way back to the hangar. Because there's Kragen, and he's just chewing all the scenery. And he's just like, Doza! I won! Look at you. Are you guys ready to walk the long space plank out into space? To blow yourselves out into space? You're just gonna walk right out there, because I won. I'm Kragen. I'm Pirate Face. I'm the best. And you suck. You suck, Doza. Call me Captain. And Doza's like, I'd rather die before I call you captain. And Kraken's like, lucky for you, you are about to die. 
<laughs> Makaz and his friends arrive. And Niku stands up to Craig and he's like, You, Mr. Pirate, you're being very mean today. And I will not let you be mean, Mr. Kragen, sir. Kragen's like, what the hell is happening? Is this a Saturday morning cartoon? What's happening? And Niku turns around and he's like, B1, give the command. And B1 comes up and he's all like, Roger, Roger, Super Battle Droids, stand down. And all the Super Battle Droids are like, yes, sir, we're going to stand down. And B1's like, Roger, Roger. And everyone's like, cool. Because Niku programmed B1 to be the commander of the Super Battle Droids. And now they have them all under Niku's command. And he's drunk with power. <laughs> and Darth Buggles like, can I get in on that? Good. So long story short, they round up all the pirates and they're going to send them to the brig. But Sonara is like, yeah, this is still my found family that raised me. Hey Doza, can I ask you something? Look. If we lock the pirates in the brig, you're just going to be wasting resources that you desperately need. And so what we should do is we should strip them of all their weapons, take away their hyperdrive, and stick them on a ship and let them leave and get them out of our hair. And Doza's like, you know what? That's a really good idea. So after taking away all the pirates' weapons and stuff, the pirates are finally leaving. And Kraken comes up to Sonara and he's like, I raised you. I saved you from the streets. I took you in like my own. And this is how you repay me? And Sonara dead-eyed looks at him and goes, My debts are repaid. Get the fuck out of here, Dad! Kraken's like, fine! And he gets on his ship and leaves, and Sonara decides to stay on the Colossus for good. And Yeager congratulates Niku on his spy mission. He's like, you are the best spy I've ever seen, Niku. And Kaz is sad because he thought he was the best spy, according to Boss Dad. And Boss Dad doesn't think he's a very good spy anymore. And he's all like, Sonara, I don't think that I'm a good spy anymore. And Sonara's like, actually, I changed my mind. I'm going to leave if you're going to just keep crying like this. Okay. You done crying? Okay. The end. <laughs> Yeah, Kaz, sorry, Kaz, it ain't about you this time. There's that great meme of, like, someone dr drowning in the background, and they're like, so-and-so's drowning, and it's like, it's not about him. <laughs> <clears throat> it was funny, at the beginning of this, I'm like, geez, Niku should just sabotage the battle droids, and shows how well, I, how good my memory is. Some more, there's more Niku spy meta in this, like where he basically says just what we used to say in season one, where he's just like, you just act naive and bumbling and nobody will suspect you. Yeah, I know, right? It's so meta. And then I've got a uh, stone cold Niku with the serial killer eyes. I, I screen capped that. I really did. And it's on our Twitter right now. And I wrote Halloween music, Halloween theme intensifies because it just looks like he's coming to murder. <laughs> That's over on our Twitter. I guess and Jedi go follow us. My, my only other note is uh, this is the, the, the most intense, like it's, there's no murder, but like basically like Kragen, like if you're a kid, and I was watching if I was if I was a kid watching this by this time, Kragen would have been kind of reformed for me. And I would have been like, oh, Kragen's on their side, you know, because they've like defeated people together. And yay, we did it at the end. And I would have been like, oh, they're friends now. 
And Kragen's just like, okay, two main characters, time for you to die. And I think it's funny. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's pretty, it's, it's some, it's, it's, it's just sort of there at the end of the show. But I, if I was a kid, I would have been like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. No. So that's some pretty intense interpersonal uh, um, murder intentions in, uh, in this show. Mm-hmm. I have to say. Coming was- right on the heels of Kaz wishing that he'd uh, murdered. Killed Joel. fire. Yeah. Offed fire and cold-blooded murder. <laughs> but that's all I really got for, for Act 3. Um, I'll just go straight on my notes. Um, I just love so- how some of the people in the classes, like Al the drunk guy, and also Freya up in the Aces Lounge, they're just like, ah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, they they have no control over the situation. They might as well just, like, roll with it. Freya's very nonchalant line of just like, well, this ruins my night. <laughs> just such a nonchalant line. Um, I'm always here for Kaz's lack of shooting skills. I love how, like, the Transocean Pirate just dodges all of them, and Kaz finally gets them. And, like, Snar just looks at Kaz, and he's just like, what? I'm getting better! And she just drops, those are really big stun rings, <laughs> Just drops it. Um, I got to thinking after our crazy-ass episode that is Kaz's Curse that came out, um, I think it would have been really funny if they brought back the Steve Bloom pirate just for this episode. Because when Kaz punches someone, he could be like, this is for cursing me! And, like, just punch him out. That would have been really fucking funny. <laughs> um, and... All right, all the rest of my notes are big notes. Those are all my little notes. Um, I do kind of wish we did get a bit more of Kragen and Sonara's past because he did raise her. Like, that was his her father figure. And to kind of explore that a little bit more and, like, how that could be painful for her. Because, so to go into another big note, this is the capstone of Sonara's story. Um, we've talked earlier in the show about how Resistance turned the found family trope on its head because the pirates are Sonara's found family. They raised her, Kragen's her father, pretty much. And, but they're not good for her anymore. They've become this toxic toxic source of energy. And well, she's, she's outgrown grown, them. Yeah, she's grown past them into a better person. And I always thought that was such an interesting thing because, like, now she's in this new found family. This, uh, like, everybody in the Resistance, uh, and, like, on the Colossus is also a found family. And they treat her better and they respect her and they see her for what her what she's worth. But I think there, I wish there was a little bit more of Craig and Sonara of, like, Sonara just having that struggle of leaving one found family for another and how that affected her and what that meant for her. Because that moment when she's talking to, I think the pirate's name is Valique, um, the the girl pirate, and she's like, we've known each other since we were kids. You know, I wanted more of that. Like, moments of, like, the other pirates starting to push her away and isolating her and how that affected her emotionally. Even if it was just, like, one conversation earlier in the season, maybe, like, with Kaz or something, of just, like, I'm helping you, but I hope you know, like, what this is doing to my family. Or, or something. But I still like that with Resistance and that they tackle this because so much of Star Wars is about found family. Hell, that is the entirety of the Ghost crew and Rebels. Um, there's so well, you much can have found... a found family that's a dysfunctional found family, too. So, yeah. You know, and I think Kragen is kind of probably low-key. It, it, 
it's something you know that has to be read into it it's there's nothing really show but i'll I'll bet you like he's low-key pretty proud of her that she you know um getting out of the life and going to a yeah yeah he's not gonna see her die in some stupid you know thieving run or something like that you know but he can't he can't be just like, no, I'm proud of you know, he's gotta be mad. He's probably he is mad, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I I bet you low key, like, you know, and as far like it's it, it's very similar to like Star Lord and um I was just thinking about that in Yondu. Yeah, in Yondu in, in in Guardians of the Galaxy sort of thing. So I was just imagining Kragan sitting on the bridge and just kind of like thinking about thinking about it i was just imagining that but like the way yondu is like looking down looking at his little trinkets and stuff like that thinking about peter i, I was thinking that too yeah it's it's a it's a very it's there's there there's a lot of it's it's like it's a very there it's a story that that's familiar even even in the star wars cartoon so like you can you can read a lot into you know what all that is and i'm sure they think it all the time you know about backstory they think ah you know there's plenty of time and there's plenty of shows down the road you know so you know you never you never know you might you might end up someday seeing something in a timeline where you cross paths with a young sonara and Kragen, you know or something like that you know mm-hmm. so never count it out never I give must- up hope hope I must say, Allie, our, our dear, sweet returning champion friend, Allie, who was with us for the Darth Buckles episode, is not happy about us framing Niku as a murderer on our Twitter account. <laughs> she just wrote me, wow, you guys just love trying to frame pure resistance characters as evil, don't you? <laughs> yes, but we can't help it. The show does it for us. We're just commenting on what's actually there. She's purer than Nico. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Allie's never cold cocked somebody and knocked him out. Multiple no. people. Multiple people. Some people. Multi- multiple times. I'm sure she's never multiply concussed anybody. No, Allie's a sweet for her we own love- personal gain. Yeah, we love so. you, Allie, very, very much. Go listen to Knights of Ren. You're purer than Nico, Allie. Yes, you are. Go listen to Knights of Nico. Go listen to Knights of Ren, you guys, and that's W-R-E-N. Go listen to Allie. She's a good friend of the show. We love her very much. Um, and, and the only other ep- uh, note I have about the pirates um, is this was a very needed plot episode. They had to deal with the pirates before yeah. going into the finale. I mean, they because they were just always kind of lingering, and they've always it been kind of It made no sense scared. to have them there till the end to, like, fight a final battle with them or something like that, you know? Yeah. Because that, I mean, they're just this wild card because they could be in the final battle and then just turn on the Colossus, yep. you know, and they've just kind of been there and it's, it's good for them to address the pirates and get them out of there. So I like that this was a very needed episode. Um, and I want to talk about Niku in this episode. I thought this was a very smart form of, smart form. I thought this was a very smart way to use Niku. Um, because they played on the idea that everyone believes that Niku is naive and kind of dumb. But the thing is, Niku is actually a very smart character. Well, they He's, played on the audience's perception yeah. of him, too. And Niku has always been a very smart character. 
he's just has that air about him where everybody thinks he's naive, but he's not. He's the lead mechanic. He's an engineer. Like, he's very aware of what is going on around him. And even though he though he might not pick up on things, he's kind of like Drax a lot in that way. And we've made that comparison before um, from Guardians of the Galaxy. But that doesn't mean he's dumb. And he's very capable. And he's a very capable, smart guy. And so I do really love that twist because Nico is just playing up on his own kindness. And it, that's already established. He already has a good rapport with the pirates. They trust him. And they think he's dumb, but he's not. And I really, really love that twist for Nico. Yeah, he's buttering him up. I've always wanted to be a pirate. Yeah. And I think this is easily the best use of Niku in the show. Just this is my just so good. And this shows how capable and smart he is. And I really love Niku in this episode. I think it's a really, really good use of him. Um, yeah. So the only other thing I have, and it's kind of speculation. And this is me going to Speculation Town. So, you know, get get in your speculation car, put on your speculation seatbelt because we are going to Speculation Town. And this kind of goes into what you were just saying about, like, not having backstory on things, but having that door open for backstories. I was super intrigued by Doza's line to Sonara, where he tells her he understands and knows how hard it is to go against family. And it kind of struck me, and I was like, Surely he's not talking about Vanessa, his wife. Like, is he because Vanessa saved him from the Empire? He you might know? be talking about his respected colleagues in the Empire. And that's what I was thinking. Is he talking about he maybe his family was an imperial family? Maybe they were high-ranking imperials, and he had to leave them for Vanessa. And I have I that that line just felt so weighted because. He well, hasn't done anything to go against his wife, so does he mean his original birth family that he left behind or his imperial colleagues? And there's so much in that line that we don't know, and I thought it was a very interesting little line. It could be both. Or all of the above. Yep. <laughs> Choice D. But yeah, I just it, it stuck out to me, and I'm just like, please give me more Resistance background stuff. Please put Doza and Yeager and Vanessa in the Marvel comics. Give them, like, let them play around with Luke and Leia and the Empire. Let them do things in the things. Please, 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 Luke. So, please, please, I'm over Resistance erasure. Um, and yeah, but I, I think that's all I have. I think that's all my notes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Wow, we kind of zipped right through that. All right, well, Chris, if you don't have anything else, score up the episode. I, I liked it a lot. I've given it an 8.5. I probably would have given it an 8 if it didn't have my doofy buddies in there, my little dum-dums. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good, solid episode. I agree. I gave it an 8.5, too. Um, it doesn't it was, have Tam in it, but it is also it's advancing a, the story. So, it's yeah. okay. It's a needed episode to get rid of the pirates. Um, right, it would right. have been a nine if Kix was in here, but Kix was not there, so it's just an 8.5. Mm. It would have been a 10 if Kix showed up. <laughs> I would like, favorite episode. I don't even care if the rest of it sucks. Kix is here. Give me a 10. But no. Uh, but I agree. I think I love Niku in this episode. I love Sonara in this episode. It's a needed episode. I just, it's solid beginning to end. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, 8.5. Um, 
Oh, there we go. I was ready for it. I could feel it coming as I was scoring up the episode. It was coming up, and it was like, oh, I'm We could all feel it coming. Mm-hmm. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on Apple Podcasts, Twitter, iTunes, or the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback from comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our Resistance episode, Relic Raiders. I want to address this one. Take it away, Chris. All right, so I'll read it. You address. Mm-hmm. All right, this comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Get ready to address. Yeah. I've not listened to this yet. But I sense annoyance with yet another Star Wars character's birthday drama like Ezra with Empire Day. Oh yeah, you're right. At least Torres is a little less over the top and doesn't land on the same day as a galaxy-changing event. Oh no. She just wanted her family back together. Oh yeah, at the risk of everybody's lives. (laughs) No. So you kind of have answered why I wanted to address this. Because... It's not that I have a problem that people have birthdays. I'm okay with characters having birthdays. My annoyance comes from how somehow characters always have important birthdays. And it's and what I mean by important birthdays, for example, like the Weasley twins just so happen to be born on April Fool's Day because they're the jokesters. Like it's stuff like that that uh, that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, Ezra just so happens to be born on Empire Day. Or like when, and it's very, very common and like, and, and for uh, this, just I'm explaining this for anybody who didn't hear our Rebels episode about me going on like a five minute rant about how much this pissed me off. Um, it's very common in anime for people to be born on either Christmas or Valentine's Day. Those are apparently the only two days in anime that people can be born on. And it's always one of those two. And so like, I don't have a problem with Tora having a birthday. I actually like the birthday episode. I think it's really sweet and it brings all the aces together and it's really cute. I hate when it's important days that have like drama because that's just such a tired writing trope. And it that is my pet peeve. Um, I've kind of eased up a little bit on that right now because it you is- You know what? I've known like three people that have had birthdays on Christmas. I don't know. A single person has a Halloween birthday. How cool would it be to have your birthday be Halloween? Here's my funny story. I do know somebody who was born on Halloween and she hated it because she was super Christian. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) She was like one of those, like, if you're just like, oh, my God. That's not fair. I know. I know. And she was one of those people. And I have to give her credit because she's the one that actually introduced me to Megan and Kate and like brought our little friend group together. And then now she's gone. Um, But she was one of those kind of people that if you're just like, oh, my God, she would just look at you and be like, excuse me. He's my God, too. Like, she was one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) And she hated that she was born on Halloween. She was like, I don't know why God has cursed me on this pagan Satan holiday. (laughs) And we were just like, well, do you want your candy? Because we'll eat it for you. You want your candy corns? (laughs) Yeah, like, we'll we'll eat your candy for you if you want. Like, she's the only person I ever have known to be born on Halloween. And she fucking hated it. Like, I would have been just like, this is birthday Halloween. This is birthday Halloween. It's like some punk rock goth kid having a christmas birthday too be just like oh come on yeah though i will say listeners here's some here's some helpful help advice if you have a friend who's born within like a week or two of christmas give them two presents one for their birthday and one for christmas don't be a dickhead and bundle it all into one present and just be like here's your one present for both events no you celebrate their birthday and you celebrate christmas 
and you give them two presents because that shows that you mean stuff because my best friend was born right around Christmas and she always hated that and always made her feel sad that people just bundled all their gifts together unless they're really big gifts. Big gifts are a different thing. Like if it's like over a hundred dollars, but so it's you know, a double size. So a double size gift or two gifts. Yes. Be kind. Don't do that. Anyway, candy. We gotta eat some crunchy balls, Chris. Boom, boom, boom. It's the ball time. We had ball torture last time. Now we have. Oh, I, I forgot about that. The opposite of uh, ball torture. Ooh, it looks like a poop. Ooh, I love poop candy. So if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kids Cats because he's a weirdo. So our friend Dario, who is Chris's co-podcaster from Eat It and Beat It, is a flight attendant, and he sent this candy from all over the world to review. And this week. He, he sent us the Nestle Chokito from Australia, and I must read this package. The Nestle Chokito is a chewy caramel, fudge, crunchy balls, and loads of chocolate bar. Loads of chocolate bar. They're not lying. Mm. Oh, wow. It smells so good. Unlike our other waffery ones, this one's very, this one's got a lot going on with it. And it's oh, it like, has crispies. I love it. It's almost more chocolate and caramel than, than waffer. No, I love crispies, but... It's almost like a Twix with an allergic reaction. Mm. It's like a Twix that got stung by a bee. Mm. Mm. I love... It's very chocolatey. Very fudgy. I love... Absolutely love crispies and any kind of candy. Well, it's it's like a Twix with big, big fat crispies on top of it. Mm. Mm. It's like, it, looks, it looks like a Twix bar got into the poison ivy. Mm. It's really thick though. Mm-hmm. And very chewy. Look at it's like filling. Mm. Oh my god. I goodness. think we both hit the chewy part at the same time because it's not chewy at first, but then after you've chewed it a while, all the chocolate disappears and you're just left with caramel just like chewing around there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's in there. Um, mm, mm. it's in there. Like it's like the middle part is like the end's like oh yeah all the crispy crispies, but you get to that middle section it's like oh my god my jaw's mm-hmm. getting a workout. Mhm. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I'm like having to like, scrape it just to swallow it off my teeth. Mm, I'm so mm. glad I went to the dentist and got that filling filled. That, that cavity filled because now I can enjoy my chocolate fully. Oh, I'm so jealous. I broke a tooth the day after my birthday like an oh, asshole. Jesus. I know, but the closest like, dental thing is like fucking like dental school is like three hours away. Like I would have to stay overnight or something. And that's mm. if I get approved. Mm. Put dental school in Atlanta, please. So I can go get my teeth fixed. I can't imagine. I can't believe there isn't one in Atlanta. I know, right? Then it, like it's like down in fucking Augusta or something, which is like three, four hours away from my house. Mm. Mm. Anyway, okay, thank you, Dario. Everybody. You need to m- need to move here. Mm-hmm. I just need to go visit my uh, visit our zoo in Canada or Gabby in Cancun, one or the other. Anyway, thanks, Dario. We love you. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else for this episode. Do you? No, I don't. All right, well, I guess if that's it, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at tutufreaks.com. That's our website where we have all our podcasts, including this one. 
which is Jay Guys and Jedi, if you don't already know, if you're just like randomly listening to a podcast without looking at what it was. This is Jay Guys and Jedi. Welcome. Hey. Um, <laughs> you can find our podcast at tutrufreaks.com or you can sign up for them on iTunes or you can go to, over to Facebook and see what's up at the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post all our episodes up or the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our lounge. And uh, we are also on the Cursed and growing more Cursed by the Day Twitter. And by we, I mean not me, because I ain't running our Twitter page. That's done to somebody, the, the brave and armored Gene Gene, the brave knight of the internet machine. I'm the brave knight of Gene. I just watched the Green Knight, so I'm the, like. Was it good? It was good. It wasn't. It wasn't as whacked out as I thought it was gonna be. As as people led me to believe, and and the trailer might have led me to believe. It does. It does have some whacked out imagery in it, but you know, and it's really funny because I never considered myself like a fan of Arthurian like stories, and then I start thinking of all the author. Uh, Arthurian stories that I've watched to grow like from the sword in the stone as a little kid uh, the play Camelot to um, you know the uh, any number of books there's been probably like three books that I've read about it the latest being um, Arthur Rex by Thomas Berger and then I was just like oh and um, Excalibur I, I, I've watched Excalibur many times so I guess I do like Arthurian stuff, but Arthurian stuff is whacked out anyway. So it's not much more whacked out than the story. And they change the story around a little bit, but that's okay. That's what they're sort of for, you know? And to be honest, there's no such thing as like a solid, just one, like Arthurian legends. There's so many, like there's no like one base one, like, you know? A lot, a lot of people are upset because like, in, in a very un, uncharacteristic of modern takes on stuff, like, they they totally sort of sidestepped, like, the, the intense homoeroticism of the original story. Lots of, lots of men kissing and, and sweaty descriptions of, 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 the, of how hot the, the Green Knight was and stuff like that. I mean, but, uh, I'm not surprised, to be honest, though. I mean, uh, uh, the filmmaker had, I think, a specific thing he wanted to say in it. Yeah. It didn't really have anything to do with that, really, you know. So, like, it, he sort of aimed it in his, his own direction, which is, that's why you do something like that. It was good. It was, uh, it was, it was good. It, 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 it was one of those slow paced movies that doesn't drag, you know, it's not like, action packed but it it moves along and it's it's engaging throughout i liked it a lot oh i'm so excited i can't wait i can finally sit down and watch it yeah it's 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 definitely worth a watch but anyway (laughs) where can you find hope Oh yeah, hey Hope. But well, how about you? You getting me all sidetracked with movie reviews? Sorry, I'm sorry. I was really interested because I've been really wanting to see the Green Knight. Um, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account where I post, you know, 
murdery Niku photos. Um, you can also follow me at Hope Molinax. You can read my stuff over at Kiki Girl Experience and over at the Kiki Waffle. Um, I have been do- writing pieces for the Kiki Waffle and having a good time over there as well. And Chris and I do another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, and where I force Chris to watch my favorite animated shows. And Chris, do you want to hear the title of next week's episode? I do. I do, I do. I don't know if you remember, but next week, Miss Xena herself, Lucy Lawless, is a guest. Ooh. And I know. So we'll be talking next week about the Resistance episode, The New World. It was probably about the same time that she was doing episodes of uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, too. Maybe. So, yep. Next week, we're going to the new world. I actually really love this. She's argument. probably not naked in this one, though. No, no. She plays the Aeoshin Queen. The she might have recorded it naked. We don't I, know. I don't know. I kind of doubt it, but her character. I doubt it, too, but she might have. Her character is super, super, super cool, and I really like this. I wish they gave Lucy her a name, Lawless. though. Yeah, no, nobody gives Lucy Lawless frumpy, dumpy, dumb, boring characters. Yes, yeah, though. Warrior princess. I'm going to say though, I'm over like Star Wars not naming female char- characters because her character's title is unidentified Aeoshin Queen. Please just give characters fucking names, Star Wars. Just name them. Ah. Just call her. Just call her Aeoshin Queen or something like that. You don't have to say that, unidentified. That's you what just she identified is. her. That's sort what she's of. Semi-identified. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, I guess we will see you next week for Lucy Waddle's time. Yay! Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Look, it's RB-551. No wonder he got blasted.
He's one of those older models programmed by a central computer. Not us. We're independent thinkers. Roger, 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 Roger. Roger.